0: Whatever chaos is going around around you, whatever formula of human behavior you're engaged in to try to do this, that, or the other thing, if you're not in Jesus, you haven't found it yet.
1: Hello, this is the Adventure Through the Bible podcast. My name is Matt. Joining me today, we've got Karen, yeah, huh, and we've got Tracy. Good morning. And Eric is currently driving home from Tennessee after dropping his daughter off at college. I can almost hear the tears flowing from here.
0: I just want to know when we dropped in importance to lower than his children.
1: An importance to lower than his...
0: When we, the podcast, (laughs) dropped to lower in importance than I'm very...
1: (laughs) Sorry, I'm slow, Karen. I see that. You haven't figured that out by now. You...
2: You haven't been paying attention. It's Huster's because she's more awake. Podcast. She's more time zones ahead of us at this point.
0: <laughs> she
1: is. She's in the future. We we have to. We have to. We're gonna have to get a hold of her to know what's gonna happen.
0: Oh well, so far this morning it's pretty much the same. So <laughs> I, I haven't sensed any big changes coming your way.
1: Okay, okay. Well, that I feel better. I feel better about the day then. That's good. <laughs> All this time change difference. We were just talking about that and I got I, I got reprimanded for mansplaining. I didn't mean to mansplain. We <laughs> were talking about <laughs> 830 here is 930. And I'm like in, in, in I, Kentucky, I it turns Thank out. You. Thank you. <laughs> I'm like, sorry, Karen. That's not what I was trying to do. I didn't mean to.
0: <laughs> so next it's gonna go like this. Oh, I'm sorry I man mansplained that to you. Um Mansplaining is when I over-explain something in a slow and condescending tone of voice because you ain't a man. That's what's next. I can feel it.
1: See, see, this whole thing is ridiculous because people. If you ever knew Karen, Karen is terrifying. You don't. You don't mansplain to. You don't mansplain to Karen. I mean, she's a Karen, for crying out loud.
0: Hey, hey. Hey. Oh, you did not just go there. Uh, uh,
1: uh, 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 See what I mean? See what I mean? I make a simple observation. Go to your room. I'm kind of in my room. Well, I'm in my office. (laughs) Uh, All right. Well, Maybe it's time to get into our discussion, Karen. That means it's time for us to talk about the Bible.
0: Whoa. Are there any rulers that die in today's lesson? <laughs> I
2: like there should be. That's a perfect segue into Second Chronicle.
0: This <laughs> just like the shortest chapter ever I'm like, well, this is weird We're reading one random chapter in Second Chronicles And then I open it up, I'm like, oh, it's like 10 seconds long okay.
1: Yeah, yeah, tiny little chapter in Second Chronicles We talk about Jotham And it seems like we probably talked about him before Because he is mentioned back in Second Kings 15 Which we've actually already discussed right. but, um, but so, I mean, we'll look at this as sort of a little review Where um, we have Jotham who is reigning in Judah Now keep in mind, we've been talking about um isaiah in the past and we just spent a couple weeks talking about amos and they've both been having messages of uh definitely less than stellar reviews coming to israel and judah and uh there's going to be some bad things coming the way and so so when we're talking about jotham we that gives us a little bit of context of, of our time period we're talking about Now, we're told, like like Karen said, super, super short here. Uh, He was 25 years old when he became king. He reigned for 16 years. His mother was Jerusha, daughter of Zadok. Now, here was something I thought was interesting. We're told that he did right, but the people acted corruptly. I think that's a pretty good distinction uh, to make here because you know it's not always the rulers who are the problem sometimes it is the 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 ruled the people who are are needing the leadership and if they if they don't try to follow a leader who is trying to point them in the right direction there's not a whole lot that a leader can do to turn things around
2: and it goes back once again to the high places you know them burning incense in those high places and not being able to get get rid of them
0: Oh, is that what the corrupt practices were that they mentioned here? Yep. Huh. Because I saw the part where it said, Isaiah. Okay, so just as his, so he did right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father Oziah, but unlike him, he did not enter the temple. Which great, leave that to the priest. That's what it's for, right? But the people continued their corrupt practices. Okay. Huh.
2: See, because if you. We- I went back and I was looking at second Kings and the thing his father did too, is his father actually went into uh, the temple. Yes. Illegally. So he didn't do that. So he didn't, he didn't have to worry about that. But what happened is the people in, they were talking in second Kings, they were burning uh, incense in the high places. He wasn't able to get rid of them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, it's, um, it's really a, a case of, of, You know, what do you expect a leader to do if the people won't be led? If they won't, if they won't, if you can't get them out of the burning building, if they won't follow you, then uh, there's not a whole lot you can do.
0: You know what that reminds me of? Hmm. Parenting teenagers. (laughs) I had this conversation with my son once, and this is basically how it went verbatim. All right, son, except I used his name. We have reached an impasse i am not done parenting you but you are done being parented we have a problem
1: Mm. yeah yeah gracious yeah well you know it also goes to things that we try to tell our our kids all the time because they get one of them will try to help the other one the other one doesn't want help and then the first one just gets so upset just gets angry and we always try to tell them you can't help people that don't want to be helped so like that when
0: he has a cold
1: Oh, I don't have a cold. I'm fighting allergies, something wicked. No, today. what we
0: were talking about before, about how when you get sick.
1: Oh, well, yeah. Your, your wife try tries to, to
0: be helpful, and you're like, no, don't help me. And she's like, but I want to be helpful. And you're like, no, don't help me. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, yes. I mean, very much so. It's just, you know, if, if somebody doesn't want the help, you cannot help them. They won't accept it. And, and um You know, in this in this case, it's really dragging the kingdoms down. So,
2: you know, I think this kind of plays into exactly what we've seen from the beginning of the kings. It's just they continue just to how do you say this get weaker over time? Mm, Yeah, they were in their heyday. And now it's just that steady kind of moral decline. Yeah. Where it's basically weakening their nation. Right.
0: You think about what goes into the character of a good leader it's it's kind of interesting it's biblically speaking it's the heart of a servant and yet, yet when you get to the huddled masses of people oftentimes the heart of a servant goes unseen mm-hmm. and what, yep. it's almost like it's almost like by the, what, a friend of mine has a plaque hanging on her wall right next to her target practice things by the way that show that she can hit a bullseye so right next to it is a plaque that says never underestimate the stupidity of people in large groups.
1: Mm-hmm, yeah,
0: And it's just, it's like it takes on a spirit of its own. And it just is like, its it becomes a groupthink cycle. And so you can have the best leader in the world with the heart of a servant and patience and gentleness and all of the things, all of the qualities of a shepherd, right? Which is what Jesus came and said to be, and that's how he led, but he made his impact individual by individual. If you think about how he reached out to people, now that spread like wildfire, but that's where he started. And Mm -hmm. that heart of a servant, that's a quiet type of leadership. And man, you you get a hold of a nation and you're the king and that nation has the bit between its teeth and it's going one direction. What exactly is it that you have to do in order to reorient that nation to where it should be i don't know and yes i'm talking about modern america and modern most nations right now when i say all that it's like how do you reorient that that is i you, you yeah. know how much money you'd have to pay me to be a try to be a modern leader today i don't think you could pay me It would a horrible job
1: yeah because yeah. the people
0: don't want to be led everybody wants what they want now thank you very much mm-hmm. so yeah. like i get the problem
1: yeah well, and I think that's why we have Amos and Isaiah popping up here to give the message yeah. they are, oh. because like ah. you say, what do you do when you've got, you You know, even if your king is doing great things, I mean, we're told that he's doing all this building and he's fighting off the Ammonites and defeating them and he's getting this huge tribute from the Ammonites. I mean, we're told he's given a hundred talents of silver. That's 7,500 pounds of silver. I didn't do the exchange rate on that, but that's all that's a lot of silver, you know? And, and so you've got, you've got a leader trying to do well and you've got a people who don't care. And basically God is coming in to set the, you know, hit the reset button. Mm-hmm. So, I mean,
2: it's, I think it goes back again to what we have always talked about is, is, you know, I don't, well, I know that you just can't please man. And in the beginning of these reigns of the Kings, they tried to do right. They tried to follow God. But I think they just got swept up in exactly what was going on with the people and trying to please everyone. And if you look, you want to think that what he was doing and what he was building was good. But really, when, when I was looking more and kind of investigating it, it's it's more for self-preservation and, or nation preservation. Building the forts and everything was to fortify what he had.
1: Yeah, It wasn't—
2: true. Yeah, it wasn't to go out and, you know, do what God wanted him to do. He was trying to preserve what he had. So, do we blend in self to that? You know, I, I I think you you look away from God and it's just it starts to to crumble.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I know I think I think you're absolutely right, Tracy. I mean, that's a point that you make a lot and I think it's um I think you're dead on with it. Uh we we internalize too much and we look at we look at what we want to hang on to Or what we feel like we want to keep Or how we think we want to influence And we, we stop to look to see what God is asking for And what he really wants to, wants us to do So I think you're absolutely right Well, so, so yeah, segueing then into Isaiah chapter 9 uh, We're getting this continuation of the message That Isaiah has been bringing Now it has been sort of a doom and gloom up to this point but then in isaiah 9 we get uh we get this promise we are, we, we get this uh that yeah we're told we the the, the 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 title of chapter 9 that's of course added later but it's the government of the promised son and, and then is, we
0: start handles messiah uh,
1: <laughs> yeah. did you notice that uh-huh yeah yeah
0: there's yeah. the there's the people walking in darkness have seen a great light, right? We get that in the Messiah. But then we also get the really, really well-known um, uh, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, all together now. Everlasting Father, the <laughs> Prince of Peace, right? Yeah. They skip the part about I've never heard in the Messiah, which admittedly I don't listen to the entire thing very often but there was this po- there was this part in here in chapter nine and I just started laughing because I was trying to imagine it being written into like a choral piece every, every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning will be fuel for the fire <laughs> and I was just like oh well I guess Handel didn't like that part so much for music
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah That that's the part that really shows how how low they've sunk at this point though
0: yes
2: Yep.
1: Um, Yeah, they've been walking in darkness, but... um,
0: But, there's another way to think of it. For, okay, so, um, let's see. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, this is verse 4. As in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Okay, now use that as your point of view when it says, every warrior's boot used in battle, and every garment rolled in blood, will be destined for burning will be fuel for the fire for unto us a child is born right Mm -hmm. this is less of a how low they've sunk and more of a you do not need to fight these battles because unto you a child is born
2: Mm -hmm. i kept looking at this and it kept going to me it was like a parallel you start out with the dimness but don't forget there's the great light
0: dark light
2: Yep, don't mm. you don't have joy, but don't don't forget there's joy coming in the harvest. You know, everything was given to as a once again, uh, a judgment, but then there's hope. Yeah. You know, judgment. so I think he just kept going back and forth.
1: Yeah, and that's kind of where we left off last week with Amos. You know, the whole story of the or that, that whole book of Amos, it's um it's a lot of things are going to be bad. You're going to get taken away. People are going to die. You know, everything's going to kind of suck, uh, but it's going to end up with things are going to be fine. There's still hope behind it. If you hang on uh, and and if you take the opportunity to repent and turn back to God, it's going to be, it's going to, it's going to go well. There's, there's hope in the message
0: but isn't that a great thing for us to read today? I mean, Isaiah even talks about there being a remnant. Revelation talks about there being a remnant that will be mm-hmm. saved. Isaiah talks about there being a remnant that will yep. be saved. So if you if you have reasonable assurance that you're in the remnant, this is actually really good stuff. <laughs> <clears throat> for all of those who cannot see the screen right now, Matt is currently blowing his nose like a fox. <laughs> Thank goodness for the mute button. Yes. <laughs>
2: Nasal drainage, like a sim. There you go. <laughs> We've given you the description. This will probably land on the editing room floor, but at least we uh,
0: talked
2: about it a little bit. I don't know.
1: This is this is gold here. <laughs> I don't, I, for whatever reason, I hit the record button, and my my nose just decided to go. Hey, what's going on? I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna destroy everything right now. Pay
0: Attention to me.
1: Oh yeah, and then I hit the I hit the uh, mute button so that it doesn't get dis- get attention. And thanks, Karen.
0: <laughs> you're welcome. I'm here for you.
1: <laughs> but I will I will spare the listeners the 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 honking of my the 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 disgusting gurgle of of what's coming out you're, of my nose.
0: You're gonna get descriptive about it, but no- okay. Moving on.
1: Yes, I'm sparing everyone that So I'm letting them know exactly what I'm sparing them of. (laughs) But yeah, so we do We get that little bit that we're very familiar with With Handel's Messiah Run to us, a child is born Run to us, a son is given And the government will be upon his shoulder And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace Um, That's I don't know, that that's it's. I think that's just one of the coolest, one of the coolest uh, uh, verses in the Bible there, and that that promise of <laughs> what is to come, and you know we always look at that at Christmas time, and I, I, I uh, and I definitely appreciate it at Christmas time, but I think I think we can also look forward to it for Christ's return, not just. You know what happened two thousand years ago, but I think we have we still have the hope of his return. Well,
0: and this is what facilitates it. I mean, his birth mm-hmm. was step one, right? In mm-hmm. that whole the the play out, the ultimate play out of the gospel, and then when he comes back again, you know, then that's the final step. So yeah, no, it's wonderful. See, and yeah. I think that's the
2: correlation between this and and Revelation and the end of time is I think we get kind of lost in there, but. You know, we, we stop there at, at Prince of Peace, and but then if we keep going, it's, you know, his government will increase. And then I I highlighted this the most is there will be no end. And I think that's a direct correlation to the end of time and Jesus returning and, and establishes his kingdom and it it going on forever
0: of Mm -hmm. the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end oh my goodness bring it i'm so ready end this crap i don't know what we've got going on nowadays but the modern world is not a great place
1: no, it's not. It, there's so there's so little that makes sense anymore. And you look at things that, uh, that our government does, and he's like, what are, "What are you doing? Why, why are you doing that? Or oh, it's a smart thing to do." Is All
0: it? governments, it's worldwide. Yeah. Like, what is going on? Yeah. And that and and here, like, he didn't have it any better. It's, uh, if you read verse six, for for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders. Like they didn't like him either. Yeah, but. I mean, does anybody remember the uh, the big statue in Daniel, was it Daniel? 2? I think it's Daniel 2, where uh, the king, the Babylonian king has this dream about a statue. And it's all the, the, the world governments down through yeah. time. And then you get down to the end of time and you've got multiple governments trying to be a government, but none of them ever succeed. And it's just if you look at the timeline of the world, you've got, was it the head the head was gold. And that was Babylon. Mm-hmm. The uh, chest and shoulders was silver, and that was Medo-Persia, which came right. afterwards. Then there was like the like the sort of like the girdle, the loins of brass, bronze. Was it bronze?
2: bronze? Which is
1: Rome. And
0: that was uh, the Greeks.
1: Greeks. Alexander
0: the Great. Right. Then there were the legs of iron. iron. That was Rome. And you get down to the, the feet. Was a
2: conglomerate. So
0: huh?
2: And the feet was the mixture.
0: Yeah, the mixture of iron and clay. So there will be no one world government, no matter how much humans try. Rest easy, right? Uh, Jesus says you'll hear about wars and rumors of wars, but be at ease. These are all the beginnings of birth pains. Like this earth is going to wring itself out before it ends. But we're down in the feet of iron and clay mixed. And then... Here comes the stone cut out with unseen hands it comes flying out of nowhere demolishes all the world's efforts takes it down by the feet and grows into the kingdom of God and that's where we get this of the greatness of his government in peace there will be no end I'm ready Jesus come get me it's a mess here
1: Mhm Yeah unfortunately I don't think we've seen anything yet I think we're I think we're seeing those beginnings <clears throat> and, the
0: birth pains. Yeah.
1: yeah, I think so. I think we're gonna, I think it's gonna get worse. And Me too. We gotta be, we gotta be diligent in, in uh, sticking to Christ in this through all of this.
2: And, and I think that's the key point. We just need to, even though we know how the book ends, mm-hmm. we have to try to keep, keep our eyes fixed on God because I think if we try and exactly what's going on, like we're speaking of is the government's just trying to pacify each and every group that's out there, and you just can't. No. You will be spinning in circles. You know, you'll do one thing that's probably no different than your predecessor, and you'll still get, you know, uh, reprimanded for it. You know, there'll be no high praise. It won't be sustained, and I think you'll just be continuously flailing in the wind.
0: Yep.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, the chapter continues on with uh, it. Kind of slides away from the hope part here now, and we get in verse nine that Ephraim and Samaria They are being prideful when they say that they are going to. I, I think I must have borrowed this phrase from somewhere because it sounds familiar. They're going to build back better. I oh, know yeah. I, <laughs> yeah! I know I heard a politician say there. I didn't mean to. It's just uh, that was what they were saying they're going to do. <laughs> I don't remember exactly how they worded it.
0: Oh, no, but... I do. I got it right here. So it was, it's in so verse 9 and 10 of chapter 9 says, All the people will know it, Ephraim and the inhabitants of Samaria, who say with pride and arrogance of heart, The bricks have fallen down, and we will rebuild with dressed stone. The fig trees have been felled, but we will replace them with cedar yep we're gonna build back better.
1: yeah yeah and God is telling them basically no, you're you're really not. Uh, he's telling them that the Syrians and Philistines are going to come one after the other to destroy Israel and at this time, and I think we talked about this with Amos, this time, God's anger is not going to be turned away. He has relented over and over and over through all kinds of things things will get to the brink and and God would, would back things off and but this time he is going to absolutely go through with what he is telling them is going to happen.
0: Okay but listen to these details this gets really interesting. The people have not returned to him who struck them right So this is punishment nor have they sought the Lord Almighty. So he's bringing in a scourge of enemies, And the people haven't turned to the enemies, and it mentions that several times throughout these chapters in Isaiah, this is kind of crazy, like the Lord's hand is upraised against his own people, they are needing a good sharp smack to get their attention and bring them back in line. And he says several times, you have not gone to the to the people to the governments who conquered you, nor have you returned to the Lord Almighty. So so he says. So the Lord will cut off from Israel both head and tail, both palm branch and reed in a single day. The elders and dignitaries are the head. The prophets who teach lies are the tail. Those who guide this people mislead them, and those who are guided are led astray. Therefore the Lord will take no pleasure in the young man, nor will he pity the fatherless and widows. For everyone is ungodly and wicked. Every mouth speaks folly. Like this place is a mess, and God has tried to use enemies to smarten them up, and it hasn't worked. They haven't fallen in line under the enemies that He brought against them, and they haven't turned back to him. like they will not obey.
2: but you know what I think is fitting is though, is that oh, was it Samuel that said the same thing would happen to him? He gave them all the warnings. Now that generation is probably gone, but if we look back, he told them that, you know what? Your kings are going to lead you astray. You're going to end up resenting them because they're going to take you in the wrong direction.
0: But we want a king so that we can be like other nations. But like
2: everyone else. Yeah. we want to be but, like everybody else. You know, and the Lord said, I didn't want you to be like everybody else. I wanted you to stand apart and show that my way works. And they couldn't do it.
0: Well,
2: couldn't or wouldn't. Yeah. Exactly.
0: So isn't it weird, okay, so I got a psychology background, so this stuff is always really interesting to me. Isn't it weird how human beings simultaneously want a controlling leader who tells them what to do and controls the outcome, and yet (laughs) somehow they want freedom?
1: Yeah.
0: Like, okay, so my son, who's a rather interesting character, I remember talking to him about this once, when he, he was dating this girl, and they used to they would get into these playful arguments they weren't actually fighting they would get into these playful arguments and then they would call me up and put me on speakerphone and make me settle them so this was hilarious to me so one day they call me up and my son says mom so my son was the type of kid let me just tell a quick story here first my son was the type of kid where when he was little if we did something that he liked his immediate response was this was really fun we should make it a rule that we have to do this every whatever. Why is Matt leaning out of the screen? Why is this microphone muted? Does he not want us? <laughs> He's now leaning into the camera to blow his nose. No, this is good stuff. Um, anyway, so my son's response every time we would do something that he liked, he would say, "Well, this was really fun. We should make it a rule, right?" He didn't know how. To let joy occur spontaneously, and it never entered his head that a lot of the joy comes from the fact that it is unpredictable, right? It's just a thing that happened. So Mm -hmm. he craved rules because in his perception, security and guaranteed fun and interaction and the things that he wanted came from the rules that said that other people had to act this way. Now, if you tried to apply those rules to him, he got furious. He didn't need those rules. Everybody else needed those rules so the world could be predictable for him, right? Okay, so he gets on the phone with his girlfriend and they call me up and he says, mom, tell my girlfriend how much I like rules. Just tell her, like, we're we're arguing about this and I'm trying to tell her, no, I like rules. And she's saying, no, you don't. You like to be rule less. And so I said, well, are we talking about rules for you or rules for other people? And he goes, oh. Oh no. Oh no. And here he was like, what was he? 19, 20 years old. He's in the military. He's dating this officer's daughter. And he was like, "Uh Oh, uh Oh, I never thought that through. I'm like, yeah, no, you like rules for other people. You don't like rules for you. You think you got it. And Mm -hmm. she's like, I told you, I told you. She's in the background going, I win, I win. (laughs) But doesn't that sound like what's going on here? Like rules for thee, but not for me. Like everybody else has to have rules, I don't have to follow that. I know what's right, but I'm not going to bother to do it. I'm just going to yeah. sit over and do what I want.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or yeah, I'm. I, I, either I'm a, I'm above it, or um. You all need to be. You you all need to be complying with I with what I think is good and what I'm doing. Yeah. You know. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's a lot of finger pointing, and and nobody ever wants to. Nobody ever wants to place any of the blame on themselves.
0: <clears throat> wow, I'm sure glad we've outgrown that as a society. Whew, yeah. Wouldn't that suck if we still did that?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No kidding. Yeah, well, in verse 18, you know, we're told that wickedness burns as, the, as a fire. Fire consumes. If you need to purify something,
2: fire is the number one way to do yep. it. I mean,
1: it's... And we see fix. all
2: throughout the Bible, that's how they said refining people you're refined through the fire
1: yeah and then ultimately at the end of chapter nine we're told that manasseh and ephraim will destroy each other and turn on judah that's a that's a little daunting you know know, you're gonna sit there and watch watch them fighting each other and then they're gonna turn on you so judah judah is part of this whole thing too you know there's been a lot of talk against israel uh, but judah is not left out because they've been pretty much just as bad. They maybe had a few more good kings than than Israel, but they haven't been so hot. Isaiah starts with a statement against people who oppress the unfortunate and taking away what little they have. Um, we've talked about that here on the podcast before too, about kind of the, the difference that the surrounding areas, it seems like God would reprimand them more for being violent, but for Israel and Judah... It's more just the way you're treating the people that are right there with you, you know, they're down and out and and you're kicking them and uh, told that because these oppressors are without God, they will have no protection when the day of punishment comes. That's in that's Mm -hmm. verse three.
0: Which I find very satisfying to read because I get really frustrated with some of the stuff that I see happening. And to know that there is a cosmic day of reckoning coming makes me, it makes something inside my justice craving little soul very happy.
1: Yeah, me too. Even though it's, you know, down the road and who knows what that'll exactly look like. But um, but yeah, understanding that Having an understanding that, that there will be comeuppance, that uh, that justice will be served and that we don't need to get in too big of a twist about it because there's little we could do about it anyway, you know. But like you said, that cosmic judgment.
0: And the relief of that is that nobody will get away with, every, with anything. Mm-hmm. Like what it says in a number of places in the Bible, like everything that is hidden will come to light. Mm-hmm. everything that was done in the dark will be known right and it's yes that means me too i get that that my behavior and my choices are on me but there are so many situations on earth where i get so frustrated watching people get away with things and i'm yeah. just i'm just glad to know that someday someday people will get called on the things that they managed to slide by people yeah god saw it happen Because there's a lot of people that have been hurt by that. Mm -hmm. Like right here, it's talking about um, oppressive decrees. Woe to you who make, to those who make unjust laws, to those who issue oppressive decrees to deprive the poor of their rights. That's horrible. Withhold justice from the oppressed of my people. Making widows their prey and robbing the fatherless. Like they're going after the vulnerable.
1: Yep. Yeah. Yeah, specifically going after the vulnerable. They see I well, I think you just word use the word there, prey. Mm-hmm. They they see somebody weaker that they can take advantage of and they do. And yeah, that's just that, that's just it's low. It's so yeah. low.
0: And he says to them, "What will you do on the day of reckoning when disaster comes from afar? To whom will you run for help? Where will you leave your riches?" nothing will remain but to cringe among the captives or fall among the slain. Like, there's no hiding from this. We're all exposed.
1: Right. Now, we get into verse 5, chapter 10, and this, this is an interesting thing to look at because Assyria is the tool that God is going to use to essentially place some judgment and correction on Israel. But now God is saying, woe to Assyria. So even though, uh, even though they're being used as what he calls the rod of his anger. Yeah. And they're being sent against an ungodly nation and against the people of my wrath. And even though I think it's verse seven, let me see how it it wrote. Red said that here. He does not mean so, nor does his heart think so, but it is in his heart to destroy and cut off not a few nations so even though assyria maybe isn't consciously or assyria they're not consciously following god's will they are going to get punished for their own arrogance uh, now this is i don't know this is a this is kind of a difficult thing for me to wrap my head around where god is utilizing a nation to do some dirty work Um, where the nation doesn't necessarily, you know, I, I use the phrase doing God's will and maybe, maybe I'm misusing that phrase, but God is going to let this happen. Maybe that's the better way to say it. I mean, the the Assyrians have been there. They've been wanting to attack forever.
0: Yeah. It sounds like they're being compliant with what they know to be God's will. And that's not necessarily true.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I don't, it doesn't. I have a hard time thinking that this is God specifically sending them in to wipe up Israel. It's it's got to be more of God is withdrawing His protection, allowing Syria Syria to come in and do their thing
0: because but, his child because his child needs a spanking.
1: Yeah, right. yeah, and even though He's allowing it to happen, He's saying that um i don't know i i guess kind of it's like he he's he's given them a little bit of a longer leash here and they're taking advantage then what they're going to do isn't necessarily a good thing even though it's something that needs to happen i don't right. know, it's it's just it's a, it's a it's a hard i'm having a hard time articulating what's going on here i think i kind of understand in my head but the, you know but the I words aren't great
2: right. Is kind of where you're going is that you know while you're doing God's will, you're going to prosper, but don't get it twisted because it's not gonna last forever, yeah, your own reckoning has is going to come, yeah, and I no longer need that that rod of retribution or judgment on my people then then your your judgment will come,
1: yeah. Yeah, they're the only reason that they are in a that they become a tool for God here is because they are acting so arrogantly because they are they, you know, God, God gives them a little leash. And what do they do? They go and they go and, and bite the neighbor. You know, if you had somebody who was behaving well, they may not. They may not go to bite the neighbor, you know, uh, uh I'm going let me put it into the context of a, of a dog. You know, if you, if you keep a dog on a shorter leash so that they don't go bite the neighbor, you know, that's good on you. But if you haven't trained or if the dog, once you give them a little, a little leeway and the first thing they do is go to attack, um, that's, uh, that's not a great thing either. And the dog needs to be reprimanded, you know, if you're trying to train. And uh, and Assyria, as soon as they're given the opportunity, they they're going to go in and, and, and wipe and wipe everybody out. You
2: know, I put I had Egypt in my notes. OK, is that the same thing happened to them is when the world needed them during a famine. you know, they they were allowed to. To um, help out the world. More than that,
0: they were guided to help out the world. Like their sun-worshipping Pharaoh had dreams from God and was set up well in advance to prepare his nation. He prepared for how many years? Seven years to handle the famine that was gonna take, what was it, 14 years? It was crazy. They spent, this was like, like God reached down and specifically intervened in this nation and they knew it. Like the, the, and he intervened to the point of getting Joseph there years before and right. setting him as a placeholder so that he could step up for such a time as this, right? And this they, is all like that line, that great line from Esther. And like, they
2: were at the top of the world. Yep. top of the yep, world. And then from giving great lands and prosperous lands in Goshen to all of a sudden making the, they're making the Israel. The people of Israel, they're slaves. To to yeah. have your, you know, the Pharaoh's hard hardened by God, just to show his wonders, his might. So I think you know it it it's happened repeatedly. But the thing is, once again, uh, they start to think it was them and it was not God. And then it it has to be their legs have to be cut out beneath them right yeah so they're taking all this pride and then verse
1: 15 i like verse 15 i want to read it here shall the axe boast itself against him who chops with it or shall the saw exalt itself against him who saws with it as if a rod could wield itself against those who lift it up or as if a staff could lift up as if it were not wood so it's like what god is saying or what isaiah is saying is that basically assyria they're just a tool in god's hand and they they're being utilized for their nature But they're not worthy of pride. Any tool is just doing its job if it's doing what it's designed for. And uh, and and they're taking far too much pride in what they do. And that's that's what God is saying here. Now we talk about a remnant. There will be a so we're told that there's going to be a time when Israel will be free from captivity and it will depend on the Lord in truth. This is what God has been talking about. I think this is what God's been wanting for them ever since he pulled them out of Egypt or shoot. I mean, you can go all the way back to the beginning of time. This is what God has wanted from all of us is to just depend on him and his and his truth. Uh, But now we're told that there's a remnant now for there to be a remnant. That means that that um, there has to have always been someone who was depending on him. And so for this remnant to return that means that there will have will be a continuation of people who do rely on him and are constantly looking for the opportunity to go to go back because a remnant in order to have a remnant, you have to have something that is similar or not similar. It's the same as the beginning. It's usually it's usually a reference from like a bolt of cloth and you and you have a, a small piece at the end, it's exactly like what was at the beginning. But for that to happen, you have to have a continuation of that cloth all the way through. So when we're talking about a remnant, there's this continuation of of people who are looking to God and and uh, and they will. They will have the opportunity to to come back. Let's see. Verse 21, The, the remnant will return the remnant of Jacob to the mighty God. For though your people, O Israel, be as the sand of the sea, a remnant of them will return. The destruction decreed shall overflow with righteousness. Now that's that's an interesting phrase. A desc- uh, d- destruction that will overflow with righteousness.
0: Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying. This is like the ultimate judgment. This is where the cosmic score gets settled. Like mm-hmm. God who sees all calls it to account. Balances everybody's ledger and it all comes out right in the end.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, we're all seeing these things happening that that don't look great, uh, but just having some faith and understanding that this is all done for an ultimate good.
0: Well, and the the, um, verse 23 is the key to it, and this is where humans tend to get distracted. But it says the Lord, the Lord Almighty, will carry out the destruction decreed upon the whole land. That's his job.
1: Yeah, it's not for us to decide what's been good or bad.
0: Yeah, we just don't know enough. We think we do, and in Mm -hmm. some cases we might be right, but we don't know all the details. Plus, we would never punish ourselves, and we might need a good smack too.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then 24... Verse 24, therefore, do not be afraid. We're told that, you know, the Assyrians are going to have their time. And then God will, as it says in uh, my Bible, says stir up a scourge against them. So, yeah, the Assyrians are going to come in. They're going to create some havoc for you. But don't worry, they're going to get their comeuppance too. And, yeah, we, we have such a hard time. I think we have a, such a hard time with this kind of thing. Because we know I mean we know looking forward that when when Israel judah uh gets taken captive they're they're gone for what seventy years, or is it more than that
0: which time I mean there were a well, number of <laughs> captivities,
1: yeah well that's true, that's true but um but I mean that's a lifetime you it's know a generation. I mean, seventy years that's a generation so. You know, and we look at that and like, oh, well, you know, everything's over for me, but we have to remember how fleeting our lives are in the, in the grand scope. And, um, you know, if we have a belief that even though our life might be over and things continue to carry on, and if we believe that we'll, that we will be brought back, then, um, it, it helps to look at the, the terrible things that are happening and have a faith and have an understanding that when things are better, uh, we'll get a, we'll still get to get a piece of that. It just may not be in our lifetime. And that can be tough for us because our, our scope is so, it's so small. It seems big to us. 70 years sounds like a long time to us, but if you put it into a scope of eternity, 70 years is, is a small drop, you know,
0: if you are born six years before that, and you get taken into captivity, and you die before captivity ends, that's a horrible life for you. If that's yeah. where you fit on that timeline, that's pretty tough. Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: for sure. No, yeah, no doubt about that. No, no, not, not like any of us would question that. But that's that's, you know, that's why that's why we have a hard time looking past looking past the trouble and seeing to the hope that's behind it, that's coming that's coming behind it. But Assyria, the, the burden of Assyria will be taken away. They've advanced towards Jerusalem. The cities along the way have felt the results. And uh, God is going to cut down those who place too much self-importance in their position. Specifically, it says Lebanon will fall by the mighty one. So there's um, there's things going on. Things going on all over the place here Uh, 11 we get a little More hope We were told about the rod from the Stem of Jesse Or a branch and the spirit of the Lord Will rest upon him Uh, The spirit of the Lord is is spelled out Here as wisdom understanding Counsel might knowledge And fear of the Lord He won't judge by the sight of His eyes nor by the hearing Of his ears so I mean this is this is another messianic prophecy here. This is more, more hope, and I kind of like how here in Isaiah, it kind of keeps going back and forth. Yes, things are going to be bad, but some the good is coming. Things are going to be bad, but good is coming. So we're, t- we're being told here that, that the our outward appearance is not what is going to be the standard of God's judgment. God know, God knows the inner heart. We can we can put on a show, mm-hmm. and Sometimes we can pick out When another person is putting on a show Sometimes we can't But God knows what's going on In our hearts And he knows what's going on in the hearts of the people that we witness Which is why it's so important for us to not Try to judge anyone Yeah. Um. Because we We only see what we see And That's only a small part of the person And uh, so when We're being told here that The one to come, Jesus, is not going to be, he's not going to be fooled by outward appearances. He is going to be, his judgment is going to be on a whole different standard than what we're, than what we're capable of.
0: How does that go? Not all who say to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. Yeah. And, you Mm -hmm. know, people will say to me in that day, but Lord, I did all of these things in your name and I will say to them, get away from me. I never knew you. Like that's, that's the, so uh, memes. Okay. So I saw this great meme the other day and I sent it to a friend of mine. It's directed at women because it starts off with girl, but you can ignore that word, but it goes like this girl, read your Bible. You can eat all the kale, buy all the things, lift all the weights, take all the trips, wash your face and hustle like mad. But if you don't rest your soul in Jesus, you'll never feel peace and purpose. Mm. Like, that's what it's down to. Mm -hmm. Like, whatever chaos is going around around you, whatever formula of human behavior you're engaged in to try to do this, that, or the other thing, if you're not in Jesus, you haven't found it yet.
1: Yeah. Yep. Yeah, chapter 11 verse 4 tells us that righteousness and equity are going to be the standards of his judgment and he'll strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. So his his words will be his weapons. And that's that I think uh, was kind of interesting that he he's going to be more of a person of dealing with principles, dealing with concepts and ideas and challenging concepts and ideas. Because that's really where our words come in when we have words as weapons. That's how we make other people stop and think about, you know, what they're doing and whether what they're doing is of value. And uh, that's that's what that's what Jesus's warfare would be. Is is the new concepts, not really new concepts, but the challenging of people's concepts. Um, To to get them back in line with what they should have been all along. Given a famous verse chapter or uh, verse six. The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the young goat, the calf and the young lion and the fatling together. And a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze. Their young ones shall lie down together and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing I baby. Want to shall... their
0: teeth. That's going to look funny. Not going to lie.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. See, you know, I'm some... used to
0: lions with meat eating teeth. I'm used to house cats with meat eating teeth. And I can't picture them with a nice little denture smile of grass chompers.
1: <laughs> yeah. The nursing child shall play by the cobra's hole. And the wean child shall put his hand in the viper's den. That just sounds like a bad idea. Uh, but. Um. Not in the new kingdom. Uh, they shall not hurt nor, nor destroy in all my holy mountain. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Uh, so, all you know, a lot of things, you know, some of that is symbolism, some of it, I, I think, well, symbolism, but also I think it'll also be literal. I believe it will also be literal. But just the concept of all of these predators becoming <laughs> vegetarian, I guess, you know, herb, herb, herbivores. And children playing with snakes. I mean, who would ever consider letting their kid play with a snake? I mean, I, no thanks. Um, yeah. I've I have handled snakes, and they're very interesting. But I don't think I'm going to uh, give hand a boa constrictor to a to a small child. But these things won't be threats because the prop because of the promise of knowledge of the Lord. Knowing. Knowing God, and we've talked here before about how that knowing is talking about a deep intimacy. And I'm sort of taking this as even even if, let's just say even if they were to remain, quote-unquote, more dangerous. I mean, say a lion, like you said, it's hard to just imagine a lion with, with grass-eating teeth. But if we are so in tune with God... That we just sort of naturally grasp his his desires and his um, intents, intentions, I should say. We wouldn't, we the, the fear of these things would just be gone because we would be very much in tune with all of it. There's another verse somewhere how uh, you won't dash your foot against a stone when we're talking about, you know, the future, the new earth being in heaven, if you will. Mm -hmm. And I've always taken that to be, it's not that there's not going to be rocks on the ground. It's more like we're going to be so in tune with, with God that we're not going to step on the thing because we already know it's there.
0: Oh, I thought it was because the rocks that were on the ground were made out of gold and gold is soft, so it wouldn't hurt. I (laughs) missed I misread that.
1: Well, Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. But I've, but I've always taken it more just to be it's like it's not it's not that the new earth isn't going to have rocks and they could be sharp. And if you weren't paying attention, you could stub your toe, but more like you're not going to stub your toe because because we just have this amazing intuitive concept of what's happening around us. And we're so in touch with everything that we just know the things there. And so we just naturally don't step on it.
0: Oh, I, wanna... I remember I remember that totally different. I, I thought it said something of like, um, he'll send his angels to bear you up so that you don't.
1: Mm. Well either way. Yeah, I don't know. Either way, but it's you know, these things just they're not gonna hurt you. That's mm-hmm. the point. That's the real point, is they're not gonna hurt you. They can't hurt you anymore. Uh we get another verse here about the root of Jesse being a banner to the people, and the Gentiles shall seek him. I think I was talking last week in Amos. There was another verse about about uh, Gentiles coming to who we know. We know looking forward, we're talking about Jesus here. The Gentiles are going to seek him. Um, this was this would have been sort of a mind bending concept to the people hearing it, thinking that. Because they were children of Israel or and even going all the way back to children of Abraham, thinking that they had. Uh, an exclusive claim on God and God telling him here that even the Gentiles are going to come.
0: Yeah, my my genie in a bottle, not yours. You can't have it.
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: they're like, no, I cause the sunshine and the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. Yes, yeah, let the weeds let the weeds grow with the wheat until the harvest.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah and we're told that the remnant of the lord's people will be gathered from all the places they are spread to
0: i love that
1: yeah yeah
0: but he gets lost he knows where everyone is Yep. Mm -hmm. all those people that got wronged and got tricked and like the vulnerable who got mistreated and had laws and stuff passed against them and actions taken against them unjustly nope he knows where all of them are
2: you know and i have written down there's good sheep in every flock.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So there's sort of an immediate uh, message there to them because they're going to get carried off. Yep. And and um, you know specifically they'll get carried off to uh, to some but but they will. They're going to get they're going to get spread out. They're not going to be.
2: But once again, it's that, that hope. Don't. Yeah. It, it's that hope to say you know I know you're going to get broken, I know you're going to be apart, I know you're going to be in other flocks, but you know what, I know where you are, and I will find you. Yep. Yeah.
0: There was, um, let's see, what was it, it was in chapter 11, and it was verse 9, so it's right after that spiel that you read about the wolf will live with the lamb and the leopard will lie down with the goat, Mm -hmm. so right at the end of that, it says, they will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea, right? So finally there will be full knowledge of the Lord and even the animal kingdom will step into line with it. Yeah. So that's some, so in other words, like the sort of, what do they say? What does it say in the New Testament? Like now we see in a glass darkly then we will see him face to face. And I think that is twofold. I think that involves, for those of us living here on Earth, I think it involves coming to the full understanding of how bad evil is. So that if God says do it, we will just do it. And there will be no more selfish prioritizing. We just trust that. So our knowledge of, I mean, what, what was the tree in the Garden of Eden, the knowledge of good and evil, We will come to a full knowledge of evil. And because of that, we will also come to the point of being willing to obey God just because he says something. And we're not at that point now. Humanity is not at that point.
1: Right. Right.
0: But at that time, the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord. And so even the animals will not hurt or destroy. Yeah. I like that.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so we're told Judah, Judah and Ephraim won't fight anymore. <laughs> they'll they'll overtake the Edomites, the Moabites, and the Ammonites. So there's a little promise for them. Uh, Their obstacles will be removed, and those obstacles are represented by how did how to put it there? Um, we're talking about talks about the Sea of Egypt and the river, and I. Pretty sure they're talking about the Jordan River there. But um, in both cases, those were essentially dried up at one point so that the people could walk across them. Big obstacles that were before them in the past, and they literally were able to walk across on dry land. And so we're seeing that being used here. These obstacles will be will be removed for them to return. And then Isaiah twelve is a Big old hymn of praise. I say big old. It's not a very big, it's not a very big chapter. It's what six six verses. It's a a hymn of praise. And uh so then it's verse one is all about God's anger is turned away and he provides comfort. Uh verse two is basically God is salvation, he's to be trusted rather than feared. You know, we hear a lot of talk about how we're supposed to fear God, and people a lot of times take that to mean. Be afraid of God and maybe in some cases we do need to be afraid of God, but in general, it's more of a it's more of having him in a position of respect and and so not someone to be trifled with for sure, Um, but he is definitely someone to be trusted. Uh, Verse four talks about praising the Lord and telling of his deeds. And five, sing to the Lord. All the earth knows about the excellent things he's done. And six, cry and shout because God who is with you is great. So this reminder, this reminder that, yes, things are coming. You are not going to enjoy them. They're not going to be fun. Some of you may not see. Most of you probably won't see in your lifetime um, the great things coming behind. But trust in God, trust that what he's doing is what is right, trusting that what he is doing is for the better, is for the greater good. And when he gives you a promise, you'll get to uh, partake in that promise. And that's that's the hope that holds us together. It's hope that holds me together, keeps me to keeps me moving on, carrying on. You know, it could be the easiest thing in the world to just give up. Um, just go the ways of the world and, you know, do all the things that they claim are fun and, and uh, not, not, not worry about God. I say I could do it. Actually, I don't know if I could, but, uh, but um, you know, in some way, in some ways it seems like your life might be easier if you just gave up on it. But when you know what you know, if you, when you're reading your Bible and you know what you know, you realize that that's not—it's re- that's really not the easier way to go. Having the hope gives us the ability to to cope with the things that come at us. You know, we all have our day-to-day struggles. We all have our struggles that don't go away quickly. And um, just having 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 a hope that there's that there is that light at the end of the tunnel. That it's it's there. We don't know when we'll get there, but but just having a Having something to look forward to.
2: Is that hope just, and that faith? Mm hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: It's what helps us hold on. It's what helps us when, you know, when the health struggles come, when the financial struggles come, all sorts of things, all sorts of things come at us and they come at all of us. And it's just, it's so important to just remember that there is hope. There is, there is something coming. We are all being taught right now. I mean, that's that's one of the biggest reasons we we live at all, is to learn and uh, learn how to trust God.
0: Yeah, and I think, um, you know, Revelation describes this phase of the Christian church as lukewarm, Church of Laodicea. Mm -hmm. And I think that whether it is through societal things or international things or personal things, individual things that we go through and that we see, I think we all go through our own process to wake up to what's happening. Just wake up and become aware of what you need to do and be willing to set aside your own desires, set aside yourself, get out of that self-centered sin mindset and just be like, oh, look, God's plan. I'm in. Because mm-hmm. that, is, that is what's going to have to happen with everybody on Earth. They're going to have to decide, am I, am I warmer, or am, I, am I hot, or am I cold? Because God says flat out, I don't want you warm. If you're lukewarm, I will spit you out. Yeah. And sometimes that happens to people through the individual things, like you were saying, and then other times it's things like just all this garbage that's going on in the world. And being unsure of what's happening and who's directing the show and am I safe and who do I follow? All of that stuff that's happening at a human level is just horrible. And that can be used too to wake people up and shake them loose from their sort of stupor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I like it. it. Basically, everything that we read this week was all about like, y'all need a spanking. Don't make me stop this car. Mm-hmm. Right. And then followed by, okay, and now we're at the end of the journey.
1: I think that will wrap up our discussion for this week. Got Some some good lessons there for us to take along with us. Next week, we are going to get into the book of Micah. Now, Micah, mm, it's seven chapters long. I think we'll do the whole book, though.
0: Yeah, there
1: we go. I'd hate to try to break that one up. So next week, we will be discussing the book of Micah. In the meantime, remember that you can reach out to us at attvpodcast at theadventure.org. Look for us on Facebook. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. We reach you in your feed each and every week. And be sure you you share the podcast with your friends and family and neighbors. We look forward to talking to you again next week. Thanks for listening.